the smartest thing to do if you want to become a journalist and you are struggling with finding work in Oslo is to leave Oslo. The online newspapers of Norway and the rest of the world basically look the same as they did 20 years ago. If you are thinking too much of what lies ahead, then you are losing focus on where you are at the time being. So there is still innovation to be done in the media industry. Hi and welcome to Oslo Media House podcast. My name is Chaitra and the guest for today's show started to work in newspaper at the age of 14 and now is the editor-in-chief of E24, Norway's largest online newspaper for finance and business. Let us welcome Gard Mikkelsen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me join. Before we dive into your story, could you please tell our listeners how you are part of Oslo Media House? There's a short version and a long version. <laughs> the short version is that uh, uh, today, I'm, I haven't been a part for the last uh, years, but uh, today E24 actually has uh, uh, some uh, sort of part-time, uh, part-time office here because we are uh, our main offices is uh, partly closed down because of Corona, so quite a few of uh, E24's uh, journalists are working from home offices. But then we have this as an sort of alternative office where uh, where our journalists and others can come work one or twice a day and we can have meetings and people can have meetings in real life and not just have meetings on uh, on uh, Google Meet, which they have had for the last half year. Uh, but then the longer version is that uh, Oslo Media House uh, for uh, a few years was a big part of my life because uh, when uh, I, I think it's five and a half years ago when I just had established Media 24, which was a small newspaper about the media industry in Norway. Uh, then after I established it, I think December 2014, and then in February, end of January, early February 2015, I got an email from, I think, Gertadia. He saw that he had seen my site and wondered if I needed somewhere to stay. And I did. I was working from my kitchen table and from the closest espresso house and from all, uh, wherever in town there was cheapest coffee. (laughs) Uh, So then I joined the Oslo Media House in uh, winter 2015 and stayed here for the first two years of Media 24. I moved from the north to Oslo in autumn 2014 and had basically haven't been living in Oslo before. I hadn't been working in the media in Oslo before. So then to join Oslo Media House then was, of course, it was a place to work and it was an office, but it was also a, quite a good network and lots of people and lots of people who knew the media industry in Oslo and Norway for years. I think I can say that Media 24, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to rewrite history, so you can't really tell what would have happened, but I don't think Media 24 would have been the same success without uh, without staying in Oslo Media House, uh, both because of the the like it was a good place to stay, but it was and it was a very informal, good network to know people, to get background, to get history from media and so on. So it is yeah, it was a big part of my life five four and five years ago, four and five years ago, and now it's fun to be back. That's great. So you started as a freelancer. And you don't have a degree. Can I call you as a dropout who established Media24? 
Uh, yes, yes, that's true. I have no degree. I, uh, I actually, I even quit high school to to start work full time as a journalist in 2003. I have some author studies uh, and literature studies uh, a few years later, but no degree in anything. But you had your first job at the age of 18. Uh, yeah, my first uh, full time job at uh, age of 18, and then I had sort of I, I grew up as a journalist because my father was a editor, so I. From I was like 10, 10, 10, 12 years old, I was doing small jobs for for the new newspaper he was working in. And then it had been a part of my life for my entire childhood. So then when I was 18, I it, it's kind of, kind of funny because I, I never really thought I was going to be a journalist or editor. It was just something I could do. And it was sort of a hobby and a part-time job. But I guess that when I took my first full-time job at 18... It was not in the paper my father on. It was in the, he he actually didn't work there then. It was in a different paper, but then I I um, then I guess that was maybe the real time that I took the choice of becoming a journalist, and since then I've basically been. From uh, quitting the job as editor in chief and general manager of the media owned local newspaper Finmarken, yeah. and to moving to Oslo, tell us about your decision. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I have. From I was 18 till I was, uh, then I was, I, I moved to Oslo in uh, 2014. So um, yeah, for those 10, 12 years, I've been, I had been working in mostly in local newspapers in northern Norway. Uh, I also established a, a local newspaper in 2008 and ran that for f- five years. And then I was one year in Finnmark, working for Finnmarken. And after that, it was as for every newspaper in Norway, the 2014 and 13 was years of lots of economical challenges and there was lots of cutback you know, I had to cut a lot of jobs and I decided to to leave that job and move to Oslo and my plan was to be a freelancer and my plan was to not be like I hadn't any plans of being visible and to do I mean I, I didn't plan to do much <laughs> I was just gonna maybe work a little less and be a freelancer maybe do some part-time jobs um, and that was what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, but I guess I sort of, maybe I had the idea for a few months that I would needed it, but I, in retrospect, I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do. Uh, because then I started Media 24 in December 2014, and yeah. And I realized how fun it was to be back, like starting something new, working up, uh, yeah, establishing a newspaper, and so on, and let it run, and... Uh, hope that it would go well and it did of course luckily yeah i mean like your journey like your entrepreneurial journey to the website industry without any degree in journalism to choosing business and finances as your core interest in journalism everything sounds so doable so give us some insights well first of all my um, uh, if i look back at my like my career and my work work history the first insight is that you can't plan anything uh, because you don't know where you will be in 10 years or 5 years. This is probably quite a general advice, but m- many people think that, oh, you, you, when you're 18, you are, you're supposed to know that in 10 years you're going to have that job and, and be a manager of that newspaper. Or, or, I mean, but you, basically you can only... I mean, what you can do is, is to do the best where you are at the time. Yes, not to follow the rule book, but... Do what you feel yes. is best for you at yeah, the present yeah, moment. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, of course, you can have a dream that you want to work in those papers and you work maybe to work in those TV channels and you want to do like go in either direction. Uh, and of course, you can take choices that could lead you in that direction. 
but you shouldn't be planning and saying that in five years I want to be there because you don't I mean uh, if you are thinking too much of what lies ahead then you are losing focus on where you are at the time being so the most important thing is to do the best job you can where you are uh, and then the second uh, uh, if you do a good job then chances will most likely come your way I mean, and in my case, most of the work changes and most of the jobs I have got, I hadn't planned for them. Uh, you can never plan when someone leaves their job, because uh, if you are planning to, if you are planning to become editor of some newspaper, you can never know when that job is going to be available. So you just have to. I mean, you have to do the job, whenever wherever you are, do your job at your best. And if there is chances coming your way, then you have to be ready to take them. I mean, and most likely those chances would never be a good time, because there's never a good time to leave a job. I mean, I uh, I have two times left at newspapers that I have established myself, uh, and that is never a good thing because like you have created something, it's your baby, and then you get an offer to go somewhere else, and you have to think deeply about is this right? Should I leave this? I'm leaving my my own company. And both time I did it, and both time it felt good after. Or I mean, it didn't felt good to leave, but it felt right, because that's also the sort of sort um, of sort of a good advice that you um, you have to do a good job where you are. Uh, you have to take the chances when they come, and they will. It's also better to leave somewhere too early than to leave too late. Yeah. There's no answer for how long you should stay in a job. I mean, some people could have the same job for 10 years and 15 years and be at the same company for 20 years and would be extremely happy about that. Uh, but then again, others would think that five, six years is more than enough at one place. And if you and if you don't take the chances when they occur and you stay where you are, then you might end up being somewhere that you are getting tired of and you're getting demotivated because you do, um, and you never know when it's too late. So it's better to leave... Uh, your favorite job a bit too early even if it can it can hurt maybe like if it is better for them to have like goals like okay i have to do this and you know these many things and once your goal you have achieved your goal then you got to move yeah. and do something more than that yeah yeah because yeah i mean you don't mm, uh, you can never know what time it's right to leave somewhere but it's better to leave too early than too late if you leave too late then you will maybe end up being a bit grumpy and a bit tired and a bit uh, and you maybe you won't leave with good good memories but if you leave somewhere that you really want to stay then you can leave with good memories and you can look back and think oh that's a place i i, I could have stayed longer but i had another option and i left for that yeah and as a journalist i have met a few who are aspiring to be a journalist and also met who have lost their jobs to the pandemic what would you like to say to the journalists or the freelancers who are struggling to land a job? So if you are a young journalist in Norway and you are struggling to find a job in Oslo city center, then you should really take the choice of, okay, I, I need, I want a job, I want practice, I want to become a better, better journalist. Then there is probably lots of opportunities that you don't know about in the north or the south or the west. Uh, there are newspapers in Tromsø, in Alta, in Finnmark, in Kristiansand, in Bergen, in Ålesund, in Trondheim that are looking for people all the time and they can't get qualified uh, qualified journalists. Uh, or maybe they can, but they would have liked to have had more options. Well, you can say, yes, it is hard to become a journalist and to get a full-time job in Oslo because everybody wants to have it, but it's... Uh, 
it the, the smartest thing to do if you want to become a journalist and you are struggling with finding work in Oslo is to leave Oslo and go to wherever you might find interesting and work there for a few years. And then you will get experience from uh, journalism in either newspaper or television or radio. And your um, your uh, experience would be a lot broader than you will get in Oslo because if you go if you are working as a part time for a big paper in Oslo, you might be working with a very few specific subjects. But if you go to Finnmark, then you would be working with everything from hard news to politics to to sports uh, to different parts of life, and you will meet what we say in Norway. You you will meet real people. Uh, in real parts of Norway, uh, and you will uh, you will get to learn their real life and real struggle uh, in a different way than you will see in Oslo. And this is, of course, one of the big debates in Norway now is is that the the media. I mean, it's not just in Norway. I mean, the the debates between countryside and the big cities is one of the big debates in probably all countries in the world. And there is a big debate in Norway where uh, politicians and uh, newspaper editors from the north and the west are talking about how the media and the politicians in Oslo don't understand the rest of the country. Uh, and for some part, that is true. I mean, uh, the debate is is of course full of cliches, and and there is uh, there is lots of uh, like stupid images of uh, editors talking about how we in Oslo are drinking kaffelat and we are just drinking beers with uh, all the other journalists and edit- politicians, which is not true because first of all, kaffelat was popular ten years ago, and it's and ten years and twenty years ago, uh, newspaper journalists and politicians were drinking beer. Now they are going home and with their kids to the kindergarten and they are going to the and they're going to the sats to work out. Uh, it is true that the media houses and the journalists and politicians politicians in Oslo, uh, they don't fully understand the life in the rest of Norway. Leaving Oslo to work somewhere else would not just make you a better journalist, it would give you a better understanding of life in all Norway, which would also and both of that would make you a better journalist if you ever return to Oslo to work. Yeah, so you got to be a free, willing to work as a, a freelancer, also free movers. Yes. So you move around and get yes. more knowledge about yes. what's yes. happening in different part of Norway. Yes, and if you, uh, I mean, and, and if you have ambitions of say becoming an editor, then moving out of Oslo is the smartest uh, choice you can ever do. Because I mean, becoming an editor in one of the greatest paper, I mean, one of the greater media houses in Oslo would take long, and you have to be lucky, and you would never know when that happens, but. If you move out to work as a journalist in the rest of Norway, then suddenly after three years, suddenly someone's leaving and you are maybe the most experienced journalist there and suddenly you become an editor of a local newspaper, which is... Uh, well, of course, I can only talk about my experience. And yeah, my, yeah. My I would like to know about your yeah. experience working in Finnmark and yeah. you know, closer to Tromsø and in Oslo. Yeah. Talk about, tell us about that. Yeah, what you experience in the smaller newspapers is that you can, uh, both as a journalist and as editor, you get to work with lots of... I mean, the scope is broader uh, because, uh, of course, the media houses are smaller. Say you work in a local newspaper with one editor and three journalists, that's quite a small a small company and it's a, quite a small, a small, a small paper. And then you, both as a journalist and as editor, get to work with many uh, different things. Uh, and even as editor, you get to write, you get to meet people because, I mean, if you are if you are four people, then you can't just be doing things as a leader. Uh, then, of course, the struggle with that is that you also have to be a leader. So 
the, the, their um, the editors of local newspapers in Norway they have uh, they don't uh, have let's just say they don't work 40 hours a week uh, but that is the most uh, that is probably the best school you can get both as a journalist and editor in local newspapers and that's my experience too I mean it's uh, um, I can say that uh, I can say that I don't know what I mean uh, it's hard to pinpoint what is the I mean, what is the experience and what is the reason I am where I am now? But basically, it's because I have been, I have been working hard where I have been, and I have taken the chances that have come. And I have not necessarily did the smartest moves. I mean, I I quit a job in Finnmark and of of my own free will, and I left for nothing, which you would say career-wise was not very smart. But then four years later, I become editor of E twenty four. So. Uh, I mean, you could also say that doing things that maybe don't look smart then can turn out to be smart later. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's. I mean, it's not like uh, if you leave a job or you say no to somewhere and you do a, something that doesn't feel smart, and maybe it can still be right because you don't know when the next train is coming. Yeah. So, so pandemic has changed the media industry drastically. Uh, there is an increase in online users. Mm-hmm. Do you think is is it killing the print media? What is your take on it? Well, we see. I mean, the long term effects of the pandemic we haven't seen yet. I mean, I don't know the numbers for the, of the print media day by day now. But I mean, the what I've heard recently, I just spoke with someone in the print print media in our company, Shipstead, last week, and he said that it on daily. I mean, the the weekday numbers are lower. Because people are traveling less, they are not on airports as much, they are not uh, going to meetings as much as they used to do. Uh, but the weekend sales are quite uh, quite stable. The print media has had changes in sight for a long time. If the print media is to change in next years, it's not like it wouldn't have happened. But the pandemic might have speeded up the changes. So you could maybe see that uh, more papers are cutting the number of days they are printing. Uh, maybe you can see that some of, even some of the largest newspapers could maybe become just weekend papers. Uh, I think, uh, well, it's no secret that Dagblad has been talking about that for a few years. Dagblad used to be, I mean, the Dagblad and VG used to be the two largest uh, tabloids in Norway. Uh, I know they are, uh, their numbers of the editions are way lower than, than Aftenposten and the, like the traditional broadsheet papers. So I guess you can say that maybe in less than one year we will see one of the big papers uh, reducing dramatically how many days they will print. It's a big ecosystem. Uh, and, and, and if you take Verdensgang, VG, VG, VG is, of course, it's, it looks and it is uh, a very sort of full digital house. But even, I think it was only last year or the year before that the online revenue passed the offline revenue. So even in 2018 or 2019, the offline revenue of VG was larger than the online. So the print newspaper still has a big place in the economy. Uh, if you go back 20 years, VG costed 10 kroners in the store or 9 kroners because they wanted to be cheaper. And today VG costs 40 kroners. So it has been a four hundred percent price uh, jump in like fifteen twenty years, which is probably a world record. It's the difference of selling uh, ninety five thousand copies of VG and hundred thousand copies of VG in print is more important today than it was 
uh, 20 years ago because the price, of course, is higher. We are going to publish the print newspaper as long as revenue is positive. But then the danger is that you never know when it's too late. I mean, it's like you drive a car and suddenly you're at the steep and uh, it's going too fast down. So you sort of you want to hit the spot right before it becomes not positive revenue. So we will see when that point comes. But uh, the pandemic could maybe speed up changes, but I don't think we will see changes that wouldn't have been here without the pandemic. So on context of finance and business, what is your vision for next year? How will pandemic manage to change our society with its restrictions and impact on economy? If you ask me like three months ago, we would be saying that, oh, now life is almost back to normal and we will go to Copenhagen this summer for holiday and we can all fly to Sweden and we can fly to Spain and France and go for holidays. But as uh, today, just half an hour ago, we got the news push from Aftenposten saying that now the entire Oslo is red zone. And I just keep thinking about uh, this spring we heard from the Norwegian health government saying that we are most likely to see a new wave this autumn. Uh, back then that sounded, why would we see a new wave this autumn? Now things are going right. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting to see how the experts are most often very right because now we are seeing a new wave. Now Bergen is almost was closed down last week almost, Oslo is getting red. Uh, we might see new restrictions, we might see new new, uh, new regulations. So I think that we, uh, we will not see a complete lockdown as we saw this March. So the economy in Norway won't be that, that like it won't be completely locked down, but we might see restrictions that would make life tougher for like travel, uh, for, for hotels, for airlines. Uh, so the short term effect of the pandemic was maybe less worse than we thought. I mean, the the corona supply from the government to companies has been less used than they thought they would. Uh, but I think the long-term effect of the pandemic we haven't seen yet. You have seen governments all over the world, they have like printed money in a, uh, in a speed that we've never seen before. Uh, so the stock markets have been rising and at the same time, the results of the companies have been going the other way. So those two things should normally follow each other. Now they are not. And at some point, the market has to realize that this is not going the right direction. I mean, airlines are basically not flying. Uh, hotels are basically empty. Um, many industries are having big struggles coping with the new new world. So uh, I think we will see restrictions until we get the vaccine. And hopefully that will be sometime late this year, early next year. And, uh, and what the long-term effects will be, we will have to see. I mean, some people are talking about the, we have been, I mean, the governments have been printing new money and there has been lots of, lots of uh, supportive measures uh, for the last half years, which have been helping, which have been helping the companies uh, for the last half year. But then again, that may have done so that uh, companies that have uh, had, I mean, there is no pricing in the stock markets. There is no regular. I mean, um, all this printing money and all these measures have made so that bad companies still survive, uh, and that doesn't make sense. I mean, the, for companies to die is a part of the economy, uh, so at some point we have to start letting companies die again, and we have to let we have to let the stock market work, and we have to let uh, it price bad companies bad. And when that starts to happen, then we will maybe see some changes in the economy. There are some experts talking about 
we will get, get to see lots of inflation. But it could also be the opposite. We could get to see deflation and we all might end up like Japan with no economic growth and with a zero or less than zero percent interest for many years. So it will be exciting. I, I'm not going to say that uh, I know what will happen, but yes, uh, uncertain. Yeah, uncertain. It will be challenging, and I. But what I do know is that the short-term effects of the pandemic was maybe less worse than we thought, but the long-term effects can be worse, and we don't know what they will be because no one has ever tried this before. Uh, ten years ago, in the financial crisis, uh, they said that the government did too little and too late. This time, the government maybe did too much too fast. So we will see what happens in the next half year and year and so on. Talking about short terms and shortcomings, we have Innovation Week coming yes. soon. So what do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, um, what should I ask questions? In media? Yeah. In media, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, um, in, uh, basically, the media in all the world has been not too innovative. We have moved the journalism from the printed paper and up to a screen. But still, the online newspapers of Norway and the rest of the world basically look the same as they did 20 years ago. And if you then visit a newspaper today uh, online, and if you then go back 12 hours later, uh, you all see basically the same front page. Uh, but the way things should work is that when you go to the online newspaper in the afternoon, then you should really see what is today's most important headlines. But you don't because uh, today's most important headlines could be already halfway down the front page because uh, since they happened, there has been lots of new stories happening. So what we, I mean, we, uh, we haven't really done much innovation in media industry in the last 10, 15 years. And we haven't been able to give the users what they need because we think that, I mean, this is probably some idea that has that, that uh, been inherited from the printed paper. In the printed paper, we, we edit our front page. We tell the user what is the most important story of this day. All the printed papers look the same, which is, of course, uh, the way it should be because you can't print different papers. But then when you are online, the, the front page changes uh, 100 times a day. And our users are visiting us uh, maybe twice or three times a day, but not at the same times. So uh, the effect of that is that we, we cannot really serve our readers sort of the best version of our news uh, the way they should. Uh, then, of course, we can make emails, we can make newsletters, we can make things to sum up what has happened this day. And I think we are seeing actually a sort of renaissance for the email and newsletter. But that, I mean, the, I don't think the answer to the media innovation is necessarily email, which is, has been here for 30 years. So we we have to see uh, for the online newspapers, which I know most about, we have to see some innovation in how to serve our users' need in a better way. And especially the young readers, because the young readers don't want to visit uh, front page with 100 stories. And I don't believe the young readers actually do read print media. No, 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 of course. I mean, yeah, even the old readers don't read print media. But I mean, we can't serve the young readers online newspaper front page with 100 stories. And there is no way of telling which is the most important. Uh, so there has been, I mean, um, last the last years, uh, VG has experience with the, the app called Pale, which is a version of, they are trying to make uh, they're trying to make shorter versions of today's most important news. 
So Pale is making the shorter words, like yes, make, short stories. Yeah, like shorter stories of today's most important news so that if you go to Pale, then you will get the the three, four, five most important stories of, of today. And they are written in a more explaining uh, language. They are not like uh, 500 words long, but they are maybe 100 words long. And it's like no Twitter, breaking it down and giving yes. it precisely. Yes, and there is no clickbait. And this is, of course, the big uh, problem because... Um, if you run Vidri or Dagbladet or NetAvisen, then you are dependent on getting lots of clicks because you need page views. So you might end up editing your front page in a way that are maximized for clicks. But then, uh, and, and people, uh, of course, click because people want to know what's behind the front page and they want to know what's behind the title. But if you ask people, if you, and especially if you ask wrong reader, that's one of the things they most dislike is clickbait. Uh, so in some ways we have to serve users what they need, what they want, and not to fool them. So there is still innovation to be done in the media industry. That's, uh, I hope uh, to see that in coming years. Yes, we hope it's... Uh, yeah. So before we end this podcast, would you like to share uh, some memories of Oslo Media House? I mean, I came here in winter 2015. I was yeah. quite new in Oslo. Uh, I mean, I started Media24, I got the ID, and then five days later it was online, so it, it was not much planning back then. Uh, and by the time I by the time I moved into Oslo Media House, I had been running Media24 for like, I think, one month, yeah, one and a half month. So, uh, so then to be welcomed by Oslo Media House was very uh, important and very nice, and the, the environment in Oslo Media House was both. I mean, it was both uh, both for the the networking and the social life, and of course also the professional knowledge in the environment was very useful for me. And then of course it was there's lots of good memories from the like work work life here, but uh, the barbecue parties on the terrace back in Schiffergata was uh, was uh, legendary, and uh, it's uh, sad that that terrace now is gone and being replaced by a new building. The barbecue parties of Oslo Media House, which is uh, which is of course uh, there are probably pictures from that telling that uh, telling how how nice they was. Oh, how nice they were! They were one of the best memories from that time. And you know, you are the third person who is mentioning this. Yes, that's. I think. <laughs> yeah, that would not surprise me. Well, if you say back then there was lots of people that worked there. Some people worked there part time. Some people worked there full time. But then, uh, of course, kind of a tradition that Fridays, yeah, Friday four o'clock, then we lit up the barbecue and there's sausages and beers. I don't drink beers, but people drink beers and. Coke and like just like fredagspils, yeah. which is a, which is a good, good expression in Norway. But at Oslo Media House, it was fredagspils and barbecue, which is like uh, uh, it's like fredagspils in uh, first class edition. I think we should have uh, more utpils and grill fest yes. in Oslo Media House. Let's yeah. talk to Magna we, about that. We will. Yes, <laughs> I will join. Yes, uh, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Garth. Thank you. You too. And uh, thank you again. This is Chaitra signing off.